thank you for this morning that we can come together and just spend time in your presence and we can say, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. God, because you are good and we thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you for allowing us the freedom just to come and to worship. And God, I pray that as we hear your word this morning, God, that you'd speak to our hearts. God, that you would show us things in us maybe that we haven't even seen. God, that you'd open our hearts this morning. God, that you would move in us, change us, do what you need to do in us this morning. So we give this time to you and pray that you'd be honored through everything that we've done this morning. God, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Good morning. I don't look like uh, our pastor, right? He happens to be uh, a lot better looking than I am, and so I hope you can tolerate uh, my expressions today. But I do want to do something that our pastor does all, every Sunday morning that he's up here, and it's that uh, the Word of God the Spirit of God and the people of God are all we need, and we need each other desperately. I, when I first heard him come up at the beginning of the year with that statement, I thought, wow, that is a powerful statement. I don't know if you've really looked into it. It's kind of like we, we will ask this one question today at least four or five, maybe more times, and it's a very, very profound question that we ask each other every day. And yet we take it so lightly and so generically we respond to it, but we ask the question, and you probably have already asked it so many times this morning, and the question is, how are you? How are you? And I, I, I have been trying to work in that and work a respond to that particular question because normally what is it we say, young people? Fine. Okay. Uh, we don't even give you the time of day, but when they ask you, how are you? You will normally say, fine. Adults, likewise. We will say, okay, great. I, I'm... I sometimes respond to that question from like lyrics from an old song, and I can't even tell you the, the year it came out and who put it out. I've forgotten that part, but I do remember part of the lyrics, and it was uh, staying alive. I noticed the young people like, what in the world? Who would write a song with those lyrics, staying alive? When they ask me the question, how are you? I normally say, staying alive. Yeah. BGs, I knew somebody would, would know that. I'm glad I'm, I'm not by myself here in this room. And, and going back at least, what, 10 years? <laughs> Maybe a little bit more. <laughs> But I, I am glad to be here this morning. My name is Mateo Rendon, and if you can't pronounce it the way my mother named me, then you say Mateo Rendon. And if you have problems with that, you would say Matthew. I go for, uh, also by Matt, and sometimes my wife has got other names for me that I cannot share with you, 
But uh, Gloria, my wife right there, we've been married 47 years and, and she's still coming up. She's still coming up for names for me, even so today. I guess the older we get, it's kind of like a violin. The older it gets, the beautiful, the more beautiful the music comes out. I was going to use the wine allergy example, but maybe it doesn't work out so good for Christians, right? Like we're a, like wine, the older it gets, the better it tastes or something like that. But anyway. That's my name. I was born and raised in Crosbyton, Texas, and I know that Andy is here, and Andy grew up in Rawls, Texas, eight miles west of Crosbyton. So now you know where geographically you are, right? Well, it would be south of Post. North of Florida, west of Dickens, right there. <laughs> I normally would say it is, it is east of Lubbock, Texas. There you go. Now you got it, right? Some of you know where Lubbock is. I'd like for you to open your Bibles to the fourth chapter of the gospel according to John, as he saw the events transpiring in the life of Jesus Christ. Before I get into the chapter, I want you to remember at least one thing. I know, I know it's hard to remember what preachers say every Sunday. Uh, we remember more of the songs than we do. And by the way, Phillips, thank, thanks a lot for that wonderful message and song. But before I get into the passage, I'd like for us to remember, because we're going to talk about subject matter is conversing with Jesus. Or as in 1971, some of you were negative like 50, uh, but uh, in 1971, I had my first conversation with God. I was a teenager. I had been brought up thinking that only certain people could talk to God, not, not regular people, especially young people, could talk to God. And so I had never had a conversation with God. And so I was, uh, at the time, I was really wanting Gloria to be my, well, she was my girlfriend, but I still wasn't her boyfriend at the time. <laughs> but we were at a lay witness renewal young people thing back then, and they asked us to stand and hold hands, and we had a circle, and I, I thought it was kind of awkward to hold hands with a guy. I didn't mind holding Gloria's hand, but uh, anyway, we were, we, they started young people, young people talking to God, and I thought, wow, is that weird or what? These people, these kids actually think they're talking to God. And, of course, the, the thing was that everybody in that circle was praying to God. I didn't know at the time they were praying. I just thought they were, like, really, folks, talking to God. Do you think God has got time to talk to us? And so they started talking to God. And it went around. 
Oh, about halfway down the circle, I realized that at some point in this circle, I was going to have to talk to God. And I'll tell you, I, I feel it even so today. It was like a softball right here. And the closer it got to where I was at, this softball was coming up and coming up. And three-fourths down the way, I'm like, you know, I'm thinking, what in the world could I say to God? I'm still doubting the fact that, or doubting that, 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 that I could talk to God and that he would listen to me. And here it comes. And it got to about two guys from me, and I'm like, this, this softball is right up here. I mean, it's, it's coming out somewhere. And when that last person prayed, it was my turn. And I just, I mean, this thing just busted. And I cried and cried and cried. And I was telling myself, don't cry. I was brought up in a home where men do not cry especially in front of the girl that you want to be your girlfriend. And I just cried. And when I finished, I mean, it seemed like I had an amen to it because everybody knew I was done. Except me, I'm like, somebody came up to me and said, that was such a beautiful prayer. And I'm thinking, I don't recollect saying a word. But it was a prayer. It was my prayer, my conversation to God, with God. And I will never, ever forget my first conversation with the Lord. Secondly, don't, don't forget your conversation with God. But secondly, I want you to remember this. If, if this is the only thing you remember, please do so. In any conversation you'll have today, I've got articles of faith for my own life, and I, one of them is, in, in, in any conversation you'll have, remember this. It is better to have a heart without words than to have words without a heart. People really don't want to listen to all your words. They want to feel your heart. You know, we have this, this thing. I don't hear it as much today as I used to. God loves you and I love you. Well, that was such a big lie, the second part of it anyway. God does love you. I think a better statement would have been and can be, God loves you, and I'm trying real hard. You know, our words sometimes just come out. This is the conversation that this Samaritan woman in the fourth chapter of the gospel according to John, and there's... There's a whole lot of topics that Jesus and this Samaritan woman are having. And I, I, I'd like to start our reading. You can read the first six verses, but verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, 
You are a Jew. And I am a Samaritan, a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. I've often wondered, could it be flipped around? Samaritans didn't associate with Jews as well. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. This is the first time this Samaritan woman has ever heard such a statement. What is living water? Sir, the woman said, you have nothing, nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flock and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst indeed. The water I give him will, be, will, be, will, will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And then the subject matter turns, but let me, let me say that it's about noontime that this woman has come to draw water. It's the time of the heat of the day. This particular shore was not done at noon. It was done early in the morning or late in the afternoon when it's a lot cooler to come draw water. I've often wondered, why did she come at noon? I know why Jesus was there at noon. I mean, it's Jesus and he was there at noon. But why did she come at noontime? You know, I, I think, and this is not in there, but I believe that she would come at noontime because when she was coming in the morning and coming in the afternoon, nobody wanted to talk to her. Matter of fact, nobody talked to her, but everybody talked about her. She got fed up with it. She got tired. You know, there's people out there that, we are guilty of talking about them, but we don't spend the time to talk to them. And sometimes, folks, as I said, alluded to a minute ago, it's better to have a heart without words than to have words without a heart. Some people are just wanting you to know, or they want to know that you know they exist, that they're there, 
and we just pass them by. We don't talk to them, but we definitely talk about them. The alcoholic, the drug addict, the prostitute, the, the alternative life individual, we, we pass them by because we feel like we don't have a conversation or we can't have a conversation with them, but we can talk about them. Jesus did not waste any time. And I know that Jesus knew that he was going to be criticized. Because this is a Samaritan woman. Jesus is a Jew and they, they're having a conversation. That's wrong. And on top of that, She's one of those women everybody talks about, but nobody talks to her except Jesus comes along and is talking to her. Her lifestyle is not one to be desired. It's one to be mocked at and judged at and, and just talk about that. And Jesus spent some time with her and talked to her. You know, there's at least three things that we might remember about this particular conversation. There's, there's a lot of subject matters, but I want to deal on just three of them. And I'm kind of an alliteration preacher. I like the letter A and B and C, but I do. The three things I want to discuss this morning is that I truly believe that this particular woman was looking for affection. If you read later on in, in, in the scripture and Jesus asks, go call your husband and come back. And you know, she, she could have said, okay, I'll do that. But somewhere in there, there is already conviction in her heart that this particular person that is talking to her knows about, well, she's really interesting right now in this living water because if I drink this water, I'll never have to come back to, to this place and face those ugly people again. I won't have to do that. I'm really interested in this living water that you've got to offer. It brings about the subject matter of affection. We are all... All of us are in need of, of being loved, some more than others, but uh, we, we're, we're, we've got this need. And this particular woman, when Jesus says, go call your husband, she, she was up front. She was totally, totally honest with, with Jesus and herself. And she says, it's not my husband. And Jesus tells her, yeah, I know. You've had five, and the one you're with now, not your husband. So I, I don't know, going back to another old song, and the lyrics of that song was looking for love in all the wrong places. She was. I mean, she was looking for love in all the wrong places. That's why her life had been wrecked with all of these relationships that she's had 
But Jesus still had the time and the heart to listen to her, to converse with her. If Jesus would have wanted, he could have said, okay, I'm done with this one. I mean, you, you've sinned too much. But Jesus recognized the fact that she is wanting affection for her life. And God is so good. Yes, God is so good that he loved her and loved me and loved all of us and continues to do so. How many of us could really say, I deserve God's love? None of us. There are days when we deserve it even less because of our behavior, if we looked at it that way. But I, I was at an exponential conference a few years back in Florida, and this one dear sister in the Lord came up to preach, and the first opening statement, there was a, there was a cross back behind her, and she turned around and looked at the cross and said, listen, the cross is not a symbol of a tragedy. The cross is the symbol of a strategy. Our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. Every time you look at the cross, remember, are you still conversing with God? I remember my first conversation. Now, now I, I, I become some, somewhat critical of, of those prayers that, that we used to say. They were very, very, uh, we, we repeated the same thing over and over. And I'm starting to hear Baptists do the same thing. We're not sharing our heart with God. We're just coming up with, with some words that sound good. Our conversations with God um, have become a, a model or a, a, just a regular thing that, that everybody does. And when God really wants to hear your heart, doesn't really care about your words. But she's looking for affection. And in that affection, there's, there's all kinds of things that, that boiled in her life, like she is, she's afraid She's afflicted. You know, there's, there's, there's anger in her life. And you know, when you have anger in your life, you are a hard person to love. But Jesus saw through all of that and still said to her, I love you. I don't want to talk about you. I want to talk with you. I want to have a conversation with you. Perhaps today, Jesus wants to have a conversation with us. Do you feel like you're not loved? God loves you. The second thing that I feel like in this whole conversation that is happening here and Jesus there there in the 21st verse he says Jesus declared believe me believe me I love you believe me because she's also looking for some type of assurance in her life 
assurance. I, I mean, that's, those are basic needs that you and I have today. I, I remember when God called me into ministry, I did not want to be a preacher. I did not want to do none of that because there was no assurance in it. I felt like I cannot depend on people paying my salary. I'd rather work secularly and have a constant paycheck. And I became a tool and die guy in Plainview. And in Odessa, I was a machinist and were earning pretty good money at the time. And I thought, well, I can do a little preaching and, and pastoring this church by vocational because I'm not depending on them. I'm depending on my secular job. And God had not called me to do that. God had called me into full-time ministry, but I was not ready because I didn't have any assurance. God is so cool. He decides to shut down the company. And almost looked at me and said, okay, Matt, where is your assurance now? You know, he put me at a place where I had to trust God. And you know, I heard him say clearly to me, Matt, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I know it's in scripture, but he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I assure you that I'll take care of you. In the ministry over 45 plus years, and God has taken care of us in ways that I have never thought could happen. God has blessed us. This particular lady is looking for some assurance. Young people, I know that it's tough being young. I don't think I'd want to be young today. It's tough. It's rough living as a young person, isn't it? It really is, you know. Some kids, some young people are terrible. They're ugly people. Not, not physically, but they, 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 they say bad things and awful things. And, you know, I think Brother Lead said a while back, words are not hurtful. Yes, they are. Suicide rate among young people continues to grow because others don't show any kind of assurance. This particular lady had no assurance from nobody. I mean, who would give assurance to an adulterer? I don't know what she looked like, but I kind of have a feeling of what the other woman, the other women of the time would looking at, was looking at. An ugly person. An ugly person. She might have been very beautiful, but, but the other women looked at her as an ugly person. She needed some assurance. And Jesus says, believe me. Believe me. I will give you the assurance you need. Third thing that she was looking for, that many of us in our lives look for, is acceptance. She was never going to be accepted among that crowd. And she had resolved to, to that. She probably had said, you know, 
I'm never going to be part of the in crowd. Or as you guys, young people would say today, what, what? The click. Y'all's little crowds, you know, being accepted into that, that one group that feel like they have control of everything. And they're probably lost as all get out in life. But you want to be proud of that. I, I keep telling young people, listen, don't, don't try to fit in. You weren't created to fit in. You were created to stand out by God. And as a Christian, you can stand out. It's not a very popular place to be, but it's okay. It's okay. It's all right to live for Jesus Christ wherever you go to school or whatever you do. It's okay to live for Jesus Christ, even though you're being criticized as whatever, as long as you're in right with God. As my great aunt would say, that's another song that you guys are not familiar with. Acceptance. She had had all kinds of accusations, all kinds of actions done to her. She just wanted to be accepted. And Jesus said, believe me, I accept you. Don't try to change yourself. I accept you the way you are. I will do the changing. I will do the changing. You can read the rest of that wonderful conversation that she had with Jesus Christ. I truly believe she came out a different person. So much that she went and told everybody that this man knows everything about me. They probably said we do too. Yeah, but this guy has given me acceptance. You guys haven't. This guy has given me assurance. You guys have cast me out. I'm, I mean, I'm a nobody. This guy has shown affection to me. This guy loves me, and you guys hate me. How many people do we know feel that way? And all they're looking is for some affection. For you to smile at them. Some type of assurance that, yeah, you belong in this society. You belong to this human race. And I accept you. Father, we thank you so much for this day. Pray that you would be with each and every one of us. God, we ask that you forgive us of our sin. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. Thank you for giving us the privilege of being able to talk to you and to know in our hearts and in our minds that you are listening. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We can have our ushers come forward at this time.